Hi, this is Gurusee Singh and you're listening to my Thick Accent podcast. So imagine living comfortably in your homeland where every corner holds cherished memories and the warmth of familiarity envelops you. But then life takes an unexpected turn. A decision made with the hope of a better life becomes life-threatening, forcing you to leave behind everything you have ever known, your family, your home, your country in pursuit of safety. And today is the story of my guest today. Born and raised in Venezuela, she experienced a childhood filled with love and dreams, and she was poised for a fulfilling career. However, circumstances beyond her control pushed her to make a life-altering decision, immigrating to Canada. Join us as we explore her courageous move to Canada, her initial struggles in a foreign land, and the relentless job search. Discover the beauty of her resilience which guided her through the darkest times, including escaping an abusive relationship. Prepare to be inspired by her unwavering spirit and her commitment to helping others rebuild their lives. This episode promises a powerful story of triumph, resilience and enduring human spirit. Please welcome Carla Medina. Hi, thank you. Welcome to the podcast Carla. Very happy, very excited to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you for the invitation. I'm very happy to be here too. Okay, awesome. So I Carla want to start by asking you about the quote which is on your LinkedIn banner which says be the light that helps others see. I want you to tell us why this quote and why this relates to you. Well, I have always been very passionate about helping others, but after immigrating to Canada, um experiencing my own skin not having family not having friends mm. not having a, like a group of support the one that you are used to when you are in your country and i saw all these people coming together to support me when i mo- needed it the most mm-hmm. is what you know gave me the courage to like pursue that as in my day to day life mm. okay oh, that's nice so you were saying that when you came here just lack of that familiarity and lack of that your own people you saw that how kind and nice the other communities and other people were welcoming towards you and the thought of being that person for other people correct yeah canada is is full of opportunities and full of people to to bring those services and supports you needed mm. um so for me it was life changing We'll definitely talk more about it, dive deeper into it, of course. But tell us also about this one habit that you have adopted that has changed your life, or something that has become your second nature. Well, um, when I came to Canada, I started having more me time, and that's something that I I pursue a lot now, okay. and is a habit of myself, like having that two hours doing my nails, two hours reading a book, two hours doing something. Uh, I think is something that everyone needs, and Canada has brought me that because before I didn't have that because I was always full with friends, with family, mm. with um, you know, surrounded by people. So I think Canada has has taught me to to enjoy that a long time. I think also because you don't have that friends to call to or your parents to go sit with you end up talking to yourself a little more right you start introspecting would you agree 
That's true. That's true. Yeah. So let me take you back to the time you spent in Venezuela. Tell us a little bit about your formative years and how was it like just growing up there? Well, um, Venezuela is a very warm country. Um, what I like about it is the people, the warmth of the people. You you feel like you are at home in every corner, mm-hmm. and of course, the warmth of the of the weather as well. You can go to the beach either in January and in July, and it's the same weather all the time. <laughs> um, so I was uh, raised very happy, uh, traveling all around my country um, with a lot of family all around and, and you know, enjoying my, my food, which I miss a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, w- and what the focus was on growing up? Were your parents into business or were they like working class? How, how was it like? Both my parents are engineers. Okay. Um. So they are. They were born both working, and they really wanted me to go into engineering as well. Okay. <laughs> but I I did not agree with that, and I went my own path. So how so how did you get into becoming a crime news reporter? You know, before that, tell us about that. Um, since I was a child, I was always with a microphone in my hands, mm, okay. either talking, either singing, whatever it was. And I knew, I knew it was my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom really tried to help me going into, you know, even architecture or something, because okay. both of them were in that field. They could help me build yeah. a career. Right. But I, I just refused. And then <laughs> I was like, I need to follow my passion. And that was journalism. Okay. And how about your uh, siblings? That How many siblings do you have? Or how was it like just growing up with them? You know, because I think we all grew up in that warmth and love. And I'm sure it's here as well. But I'm sure the things are very different in our countries compared to North America. Tell us about that. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, my parents divorced uh, when I was three years old. Okay. So they both remarried. And then I have two siblings, one for, for each one of them. Um we're all girls and I am the oldest. Um, So it was really nice growing up, going back and forth between my mother's and my father's um, house because they live like uh, from one extreme to the other in the country. Mm -hmm. So I was always traveling, enjoying Christmas here and there and then um, New Year's and vacations. So it it was really, really good. My my siblings, uh, one of them is in Peru at the moment, the smallest. And the middle one is actually here in Toronto. She just moved here recently. Okay, okay. And were they also like a rebel? Because they saw that their eldest sister has chosen the career path of their own choice. Were they also rebel in following a path and doing whatever they wanted? <laughs> yeah. So the smallest, she's also an engineer. So she, oh, she okay. followed my parents' <laughs> instructions. Okay. But the middle one, she's a lawyer. So yeah, same as the, the sister. Okay. <laughs> and what is something that people might not know about Venezuela that you would like to share? Venezuela has the most amazing uh, landscapes. Mm-hmm. You can find snow in the mountains sometimes. You can find beaches. You can find um, like deserts, everything in the same country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very small land, but it's like, it has very amazing um, places to go and travel and explore. Okay. And what about the, the languages there? I mean, the Spanish is, I believe, the, the primary language, right? Apart from that, any other languages you speak there? No, we all speak Spanish. And then there are the um, Indian uh, 
yeah, the Indian languages. So the people that are Aboriginal, they speak okay. other uh, dialects, but the rest of the country, we only speak Spanish. Okay, okay. And if uh, not a crime news reporter or you said you want to go into engineering also, but if not either of these careers, what other career you would have chosen? I think arts. That's that's my 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 back dream. Uh, anything related to crafts, painting, mm. um, arts is just something I also love and enjoy doing in my free time. Okay. And uh, do you do that even up until today? Yeah, I do. Some sort of crap. Okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, what is something that from your home country or from your, you know, tradition, that's something that you have managed to preserve up until today in Canada? What is that? So what I'm trying to preserve is the food. I have two children and I'm trying to teach them uh, and raise them with our culture and our food. So I'm trying those traditions not to die. Um, I also brought from Venezuela. I asked my father to bring me like the special pans to cook the, the, the food. So I do <laughs> okay. arepas for breakfast every day and okay. I'm trying for them to be raised like that. Uh, well, what 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 kind of uh, utensils? Tell us more about that. What do you mean? So there is a there is a pan that is is like a a big circle where you do the arepas. So you it's like a, a flat bread of okay. corn, and then you put them there to cook. Um, it's almost I think you do the naan there, something like that. Mm. Very similar. Okay, okay. I asked that because I have brought five six years ago like a cooker, like a special sort of a cooker, you know, with a whistle on top. I mean, of course, you can buy them here as well. I brought that from India and whenever I cook, my roommates are like, I have never seen this, so, this kind of vessel before. What is this? And then sometimes when they stand next to it and it whistles, they all get scared when they see it for the first time. <laughs> oh my God, what kind of you know vessel is this? So that's why I asked. <laughs> Oh, I also have that one. It's the pressure cooker. Exactly. Something like yes, that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We use that a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So like I mentioned in my intro that you were, you know, living a comfortable life in Venezuela and was having a flourishing career as a crime news reporter. But then you decided to take an action that led you to run for your safety, so to say. So I want you to tell us all about our about that to our listeners. Yeah, um, I joined the TV station of my my state called Orinoco Televisión. Um, I was uh, at the beginning working in education, in the field of education news. But then my boss saw that I had like too much courage, maybe. Mm. And she's like, I think you will be good for crime news reporter. Mm -hmm. So then I switched to the, the font uh, that is crimes and I really liked it and I enjoyed it but I didn't really realize how dangerous it was mm. until one day there was a crime where five people were killed three of them were innocent mm. two of other one the other ones were involved in a crime earlier where somebody's child was was ki uh, killed and then it was a retali retaliation but mm. my concern and my problem there is that three people that were in, in the scene and were innocent were killed. So I was really upset about that. And then when we had the, the press conference with the, the director of the police, all the journalists were there. And the, the director of the police is like, please do not 
uh, show, we have the CCTV uh, showing who did it mm. and everything, but don't say it because, you know, it's, it's going to be bad because it's somebody involved in the government. Mm-hmm. And I said, I am not going to like lie about this to mm-hmm. like society. I am very upset and I'm going to say it. Mm. Bad decision, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I went ahead and I said it on TV. This is a person that did this. And then that brought us a consequence that apparently the wife of the person who did it, uh, who is also the mother of the person that was killed previously, okay. she was hospitalized because like her, her nerves got into her because she knew that that was going to be bad for them mm-hmm. and people would come after them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that person decided to go after me and go to the TV station with like 300 people, like with oh, wow. signs saying my name, like Carla, you're done, stuff like that. Like they had stones in their hands. I'm like, okay. Um, so he said, I need you to give me the right of appeal to respond to the to the news that you did yesterday. I did give him the chance and I spoke to all my colleagues and I called them to see if they you know, wanted to support me and go with me. None of them. They're like, no, that's too dangerous. Oh, wow. So I went with the cameraman in front of the police. But it was so scary that I called my father. I didn't know if I was going to get out of there alive, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I called my father and I said, this is happening. I didn't want him to know, but I was like, this is happening. I'm right here in front of the police. If something happens, you know what was and who was it. Um, so my father is like, I'm going there. I'm going to pick you up. I'm like, do not do that. Never. Because it's worst. Um, so thank, thankfully they were there. They threatened me a lot. They said, I'm going to do anything in my power to remove your license as a journalist. Um, like if someday your body appears, nobody's going to know who did it, stuff like that. And that was all in front of the police. Yeah, but the police in front of the building, but the police was not there. They didn't want to get involved. Oh, okay. Yeah, they are like, we are not, we told you not to do it and you Mm. did it. So it's like you're on your own. Mm. They also told me, the police told me, even if you come here and put a a complaint against him, we cannot proceed it, you know, because he's in the government. Mm. So I was on my own, basically. And... After that, I was starting having panic attacks, and one day I saw him and two two of his gunmen were walking down in a shopping mall. I was alone with my father. I had a panic attack. Mm-hmm. I was shaking, and then my father is like, "That's it. You're you're leaving. You need to leave the country. That that's too unsafe." Yeah. Walk us through that uh, timeline. That okay? When you actually did the news after how long they retaliated or they tried to retaliate, and then this incident where you were. In, with your father in the mall. So the incident when I did the news was in October. When I saw him that he asked me for like um, giving the right of appeal was the next day. Okay. And then they ch- they decided in my channel to change me the the, the font so I was not doing uh, crime anymore. I was doing uh, like politics or something mm-hmm. uh, to protect me. So I didn't have to deal with him anymore. But then I saw him like a month after in the okay. shopping. And that's when my father decided that's it, you're leaving. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. I wanted to tell us that the day when you were preparing to go live and talk about, you know, this incident, when you had the footage, you had everything and you were filled with that ang- angst, you know, that why they killed the innocent people. If you remember, you know, about that moment, tell us like what was going on in that in your mind at that time, because you knew that what kind of repercussion it might 
come towards you right so tell us about yeah. that moment when you were preparing and when you actually delivered the news story so when i was in that situation what i thought was i made a commitment that i was going to be the voice for all the people mm. i was going to be the only resource that they have to know the truth. And if I have the, new, the truth on my hands, why would I lie to protect mm. somebody? Of course, that was wow. a risk that I decided to take. And I guess I didn't really thought about how big the repercussions to myself would be. But I was really upset that all the other people that were killed and their families will never know what happened to them mm. because I needed to protect a, a criminal, right? Yeah. So I guess... That was it. And I remember you were also telling me that I think that person's uh, mother or, or or wife, I believe, was in the hospital. And, and he was saying that she was really affected by the news and she ended up uh, you know, getting to the hospital because she knew that people might retaliate. Is, is that true? That's true. That's true. Yeah. When I gave him the right of appeal the next day, she was there. Mm. Um, she was with the, like the Bible in the hands and all of that. And mm -hmm. but he had a really bad tra trajectory of doing this. Mm -hmm. um, like he is very well known to like act as a like the head of a criminal group there. So uh, for me, everything was manipulation, and of course, it's sad that that he's his son was involved in something like that. But mm -hmm. at the same time, as, as I said, I, I don't think that that was the best solution. And that's why I decided to report on that. Yeah. But well, kudos to you. And I think hats off to you for taking that courage, because like you said, I love what you said that you wanted to be the voice of people. And you knew that you won't be able to sleep at night by knowing the truth that I knew who was the the person behind or who's the actual culprit, so to say. You knew about that person and you didn't want to keep it with you and want to share it with the world to see. But yeah, kudos to you, you know, hats off for taking that action. So that's commendable. Thank you. Obviously, that was one of the situations which further led you to search about North America, US and Canada, and you wanted to decide you decided to come to Canada. So tell us about that preparation phase and how was the process for you like? Yeah, um, of course, in the, in a normal situation, in a normal country, you will just buy a plane ticket, buy the studies that you want to make in the other country and just leave. In the moment in my country, we were having this transition period of like, um, I don't want to go into political discussion, but like my country was um, in the hands of like Chavez, which was the, 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 the president at the moment. And he changed all the rules for that, like immigration and all of that. So it was really difficult for me to get the funds because he made illegal to buy dollars in Venezuela. Oh, like okay. any ex like any currency, international currency was illegal. Okay. So you, the only person you could buy dollars from was the government, hmm. and I you had to do the application and all of that, and and like uh, make sure you had the right um, explanation of why you're you're buying dollars. Okay. So I was I did the application three times and it was denied. Oh wow. So, Two times at the third time was approved that's why it delayed a little bit more the the actual trip because for me it would be ideal to like come right away so it happened in october and i was able to come finally what it was approved the funds were approved in february mm -hmm. we bought the money from the government on february and then i came in 
May, March. Okay. So when you decided to move here, Carla, what about your family? Were they like under supervision or were they like safe, I believe? They, in, in that moment I had to move. Um, my mother and my father wanted me, I had like, of course, I, I stopped working at the at the TV station and then I was just at home. Yeah basically waiting for the approval from the government so I could leave and, you know, hiding myself, trying to not be too exposed. Okay. And there was no sort of like, uh, like lack of safety towards the family. I didn't feel like it, but we were also like very cautious, scared, yeah. like to see, yeah, scared. Okay. So then you landed in Canada. Tell us about your first day and what were the initial thoughts and emotions? When finally I came, um, I came as an international student. I came here to study English for like a year, mm-hmm. and it was it was it was great. I, I made a lot of friends in school. Mm-hmm. It was very amazing. But you know, at the back of my head, it's not like majority of people might come here. Oh, I'm just gonna study English and then I'm gonna go back. Yeah. At the back of my head was always the thought I need to find a way to stay in this country. To stay, yeah. So yes, I was enjoying uh, the English and the friends and going out, but at the same time I was like, I need to see what the resources are for me to stay. I can't go back to Venezuela. Hmm. Right. So so what what was the next step after that? The next step is I started researching, speaking with other Venezuelan people, and I found out that because of my circumstances of what I came here and I had a lot of proof to demonstrate it, I was able to ask for a refugee claim. And then that's how where, where I found an amazing lawyer. God bless him. Mm. Um, he was like very amazing as part of my process. I spoke to him. I showed him what I had. He asked me for more proofs, and right away he took my case. You know, also, uh, since whenever somebody somebody decides to immigrate, you know, they come with some sort of preparation. Okay, this is the culture there. This is the weather there. This is the places there. But in your case, you just wanted to leave, right? You did not prepare yourself for all that culture exchange or that exposure or the culture shock you might come across. So tell us about that phase, you know, something that completely shocked you about the culture in Canada or something that you were completely unprepared for. Something that surprised me, uh, like, positively is the multiculturalism. multiculturalism. I loved how, you know, you can find Japanese, you can find um, Indian, you can find Latino everywhere. And that was Mm -hmm. something that was very enriching of my experience here. I was like, this is amazing. And and I was really happy to be part of, of the culture. But something that I also saw as like shocking maybe was the weather of course <laughs> yeah. winters were so hard at the beginning i could see why like you know when it's dark at 4 p.m and it's dark <laughs> until like the next day at 9 a.m yeah. you're like oh my god it's a this is always night um yeah. but again i got to enjoy summers and and springs and that i i got to love i grow to love the country even with the weather <laughs> mm, okay and even like with the job search i believe it might have taken you longer to get the job walk us through that job search journey a little bit yeah uh, i feel like the resume building and like all the the stuff that we have experienced in our countries is very different very different than in canada so i really feel like you 
to be able to be successful to secure a job here, you need to basically do a course on mm. like how to apply, how to do a cover letter. <laughs> yeah. So yes, it was a lot. It was a lot to 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 really understand what are the requirements and how to like really shape your resume to each position that you're applying to. Yeah. Um, but I, again, it's part of the culture and it, it was a little bit difficult to learn. Yeah. So uh, after how long when you, I think you landed in 2013, I believe, right? 13, yeah. So after how many months or after how long did you end up getting your, like the first desired job? The one that I really like, the, that is the one that I'm currently working in, I got it in 2020. Okay. Because at the beginning I was working here and there. And then after that, I decided to go back to college. So now, Carla, let's just uh, pivot towards, uh, you know, to the time where it was a really tough time, a dark time for you, where you were in a certain relationship and you were pregnant with the with your second child, with so your second daughter, but and you decided you got that courage to leave that and because of various reasons, right? Tell us about that time and what was something that was instilled in you that made you that okay. I have to pack my bags and leave this time because usually people might not have the courage to do that. I wanted to share with us that that moment. Yeah. Here in Canada, when I came, I met somebody um, which I, I thought was going to be with that person forever. We uh, got together, started living together, and we had two children. The first pregnancy was amazing. And then after a while, uh, the relationship became really deteriorating because of like having a baby not having help mm. i was totally like relying all my resources and my like attention to the baby of course yeah and then i think that, that took a toll into the relationship um and then i got pregnant with my second baby and that's when everything really went downhill i started to experience domestic violence and i think i took it took me since the beginning of when it started, it took me three or four months before I left. And mm. really the courage and the motivation to leave, I got it when um, my first baby was one year old. I was four months pregnant with the second. Mm -hmm. And when I really saw that I was going to be probably killed with my baby oh, wow. on my belly, that's what, that's what I was like, okay, I need to leave. Mm -hmm. So not knowing where to go in and and also the it's not also the physical abuse but also the mental one where Absolutely, they say yeah. if you leave you're gonna lose the baby because you have no means to support the baby and the government mm -hmm. is gonna take it from you yeah. that's the only reason why i stayed so i decided to go on facebook i i had joined a group of toronto moms or something like that in mm -hmm. uh, some months before that and i posted that i was like i have nowhere like I, 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 nothing else to do. So I posted there. I'm sorry. Like I'm pregnant. I have another baby, and if I don't leave, I think I'm gonna like get killed. Mm -hmm. I really need help. So they, somebody as an angel, she said, "Give me your address. I'm gonna go get you." Thank oh, wow. God at that time he had left the house, so I had time. I packed two or three things. That's it. I got my baby, got into the car and left. Mm. This was a complete stranger, but I had no, no other option to other to trust. Yeah. 
So she decided to bring me like to um she bought food for me and my kids, which she mm. took hers to to McDonald's. As I told you, like people here just so wonderful. She took me to McDonald's. Yeah. She bought some stuff for us. And in that time, we were calling to see if there was a shelter available. And we got a place. Mm-hmm. And she drove me there and she dropped me. Um, after that, I received 264 messages of women trying to support me. Wow, that's incredible. 264. And then in that time, I was like, thank you, everyone. We are safe. We made it. Um, the only thing is that I left my house with like, nothing um and my baby's like bored and you know she's like she was like having tantrums she was sad she was she, she didn't understand what was going on we were like in a place that was of really course, yeah. new for her um so this as i said this group of amazing women they were like where are you they brought toys diapers like everything everything i was like so surprised of the support mm. And is it the same place where you end up going to? You were telling me about the the Wood Green Community Services. Was that also like the part of it? In the shelter where I, when I was living there, okay. when I was speaking with the uh, social workers, they knew I really had a passion to like get out of of poverty, right? Yeah. I really wanted to like, I, there are people that decide to just stay at home, and, but I really wanted to do something with my life and they knew mm. it. So they spoke to me about that program. It's called Homeward Bound uh, and it's by Good Green Community Services. Okay. And as soon as I knew about it, I called, they interviewed me. Um, I passed on the interviews, the English test, the math test, everything. Mm-hmm. But then I was pregnant yet. Mm, yeah. And they were like, Carla, we don't really know if you, like, after you have your baby, you're going to be able to commit to two years in a college, right? Absolutely. So it's better you have the baby and then you can come back. Um, you, you are not going to believe me. I had a C-section. And as soon as I woke up, I saw that the baby was perfect. Everything was perfect. I called <laughs> back to the program from the clinic. I'm like, oh, I'm wow. ready. My baby's ready. <laughs> We're perfect. Just give me the, the chance. And they yeah. did. Two yeah. weeks later after that, my baby was like two weeks old. And we moved to an amazing apartment, three bedrooms. Um, and I started uh, the preparation for college. It was not easy. I had a newborn and I one, almost two years old. Mm. I was breastfeeding. It was it was a lot, but I was my motivation here is they are babies. They are not gonna remember these struggling times. Yeah. By the time I finish all my program, I have a job, I have a house, I have everything and a car. Yeah. They are not gonna remember all this time. They are gonna remember me as a empowered woman, and that's what I want from them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's phenomenal. I mean, you just sitting in your hospital after your delivery calling that you want to go and join the program. This is incredible. You know, this clearly shows, I mean, if uh, listeners can really get inspired from you, that just having that passion and courage to help people, you know, help people come out of those toxic situations, for example, and, you know, building, instilling that courage in you, like this is the time. You should not accept that as your faith if something wrong is going on in your life. You can really fight it. You can really come out of it. Sometimes you do need a little bit of support, a little bit of nudge, like in your case, that angel, the lady who just showed up to your house and asked you to get in the car with your children and going. And I think you wanted to be that person and you saw that there are some amazing kind people and 
I think you saw that you can really do that for other people. So that's that's amazing, Carla. That's that's yeah. so inspiring to hear that. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And then, yeah, that's my motivation now uh, to help other women to like spread the message that it doesn't matter the situation that you're in. It doesn't matter if you don't speak English. It doesn't matter if you don't have a job. It doesn't matter how many children you have. You can survive living mm. the abusive situation and you can find the resources in this country and the people to support. Yeah. But tell me also, Carla, if any of our listeners, I hope not, you know, if any of their acquaintances are in a similar situation, you know, as you were in. And, you know, having that courage to, from the point A to point B of getting up and calling somebody or texting somebody is also really hard. That journey from A to B is also hard. What advice or what suggestion would you give to them or if any of their friends are in this situation? What would you tell them? I will tell them that there is also always an option that there is nothing to be about. The worst is to stay where you are. That's mm. the worst that you can do. If yeah. you really want to live and you have so many fears, like where are you going to live? What are you going to do? Where are you going to get money from? I'm telling you, I have gone through all of those and mm-hmm. Ontario, Toronto and Canada as a, as a country has everything in place for you to succeed the way you want as a mother and as a single mother as as any you want yeah awesome great and i will also put the link to you know all these communities that you end up joining in in the show notes so that listeners can also check out them so all the links to that can be found in the show notes Karna, also tell us about your current role now and what are your daily day-to-day looks like Yeah, I recently got promoted and I'm now working as a development and community outreach manager in the Prosperity Project. Mm -hmm. The Prosperity Project is an organization that is a Canadian organization that supports women and self-identifying women in all areas of life. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we are a group of also women just looking for resources, looking for that career leadership and career advancement for women in in different um, trades, in different professions for women to really find a place where they can be heard, they can be mm. accepted, they can be understood, and we can provide for them all kind of you know, services for them to succeed. And Carla, didn't you, didn't you think of uh, going back into your journalist career ever? I thought of it, but... After everything that has happened, I really want to try to work in a a space where I can support others by providing them with services Mm. other than uh, being a journalist. That's something that I think it was a a dream and I I really (laughs) had the time to fulfill it. (laughs) Okay. And you were also, I believe, a content creator for some time. Tell us about that. What were you? What kind of content was it, and where was it? Yeah, um, in 2020, I started to go to like because COVID had happened, and I was at home um, with the kids. I started to post a lot of content on on a platform called TikTok, and I became like very viral at the moment. And then I mm. found a place where I could work as creating content as advertisement in Spanish okay. for all the different social media platforms. So I'm still working on that. I do videos on daily basis where I uh, offer different services. They hire me to to do the ads and they post it either in Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. 
Okay. And what what's your handle on uh, TikTok that people can follow and check out your content? I believe you said it's in Spanish. I have things in English too. Uh, the handle is at Carla zero four eighty seven. Okay. And the links to check out her social media profiles and to contact Carla can be found in the show notes. Okay, Carla. So now we're in the final segment of the podcast. I call it Beneath the Accent because we are knowing each other beneath the accent. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. You can answer them in one word or a sentence or however you feel like. The idea is just to know more about Carla. So ready? Ready. So first is the classic question. What advice would you give to Carla, who is in the initial months of landing in Canada? I will say, do not. Listen to your fears and just let your dreams drive you to whatever you want to get. Okay, I think that's a great advice. And is there any best advice that someone ever gave you? Yes. As a mother, I will share this for anyone that is a parent. There was a person that marked my life and mm-hmm. she said to me, "Remember, your kids are never going to remember how you were dressing them when they were small, all the toys that you bought for them." they are not going to remember that they are going to remember you how mm. you view and how you present yourself and how you are at the time present with them like enjoying with them and that mm. changed my life i wow. started focusing only on them and I started focusing also in me and being okay with me so they can later try to become a better version of myself absolutely love this great advice is this something you recently bought carla that you now regret yeah I bought some tickets for a festival and the festival was suspended and they haven't sent me the money back. So <laughs> I'm regretting that. <laughs> okay. So what's next on your bucket list? Travel, travel a lot. Where where do you want to travel? So next year um I'm planning to go to Colombia to do the wedding of my dreams. Mhm. And after that I just want to travel Europe, Asia, Thailand, like a lot. I want to travel a lot. That's my my goal. Have you thought about going to India ever? I do want to go to India. Yes. Okay. If you had to describe yourself as any creature, what would it be and why? I like monkeys. So you would describe yourself as a monkey. Why is that? <laughs> yes, because they are funny. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and for me like like laughter is is the best medicine. So hmm. yeah. I think Uh, monkeys are really funny and i love how they are very similar to humans like but they have more freedom than us because they can go on you know climbing everywhere so i really okay. lo- love monkeys <laughs> okay what's the most expensive thing you own my happiness okay so now tell us yeah. the real answer what is the most expensive thing you own <laughs> <laughs> my car <laughs> Okay. My car, yeah. Okay. So what's the most expensive thing you would like to own? A house. Okay. So who's your go-to person when you feel stuck? My sister. Mhm. So what's the most unusual or unique food that you have ever tried and did you like it? I tried ants really? from Thailand okay. and I tried um worms from Mexico. And did you like them? I, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> Okay, okay. So I'm assuming you would not try them again. I don't think so. Okay. What other cuisines have you tried other than, you know, your own after coming to Canada? Oh my god, here I have tried 
a lot. I, I love Vietnamese food, all Asian food. I love Vietnamese, Thai, Chinese, Japanese, Indian. All Asian is my favorite food. Okay. If you could swap lives with someone for a day, who would it be and why? I will swap lives with Lady D, maybe. Lady D? I'm not sure what who. Lady, Lady Diana, the, the oh, Princess okay, Diana. Oh, okay, okay. Why is that? What would you like to do? First, uh, she had a lot of money. She ha- she has, mm. she's amazing with the glamour. But best of all, she has the best heart ever, always supporting great causes. Okay. And she traveled a okay. lot too. So <laughs> Great, great answer. And are there any certain Spanish movies or series that we'd like to recommend our listeners to must watch? Yeah, there are several. Um, there is a movie recently that came out with the situation of Venezuela. It's called Simon. Simon. Okay. I haven't watched it because it re- was released last week, but it's basically everything that the, the government is trying mm. to hide of what happened in, in my country. So I think it's very interesting and I really want to mm. watch it soon. Yeah, I think that would be a great recommendation to know more about Venezuela for sure. Yeah. So, Carla, if you could be a contestant on any reality TV show, which one would you choose? Um, any cooking amateur uh, okay. show. Okay. I love cooking. Okay. And do you think you'll... You, how far do you think you can go? Finals? <laughs> I will be... Yeah, maybe finalist. Yeah. I think I, I love my cooking. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm getting awesome. good. Awesome. <laughs> so, describe Canada in one word or a sentence. Inclusive and resourceful. And finally, if you could leave me, Carla, with one piece of advice, what would it be? Chase after your dreams. There is nothing impossible. And whatever you want to be, you are you are going to be able to do it. Great, great words. And how would you describe your experience of being on the podcast? <laughs> Very fun. And uh, really, it was a really nice experience. Okay. So thank you. Thank you, Carla, for being on the podcast and adding value to my listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, listener. Thank you for making it to the end. I highly, highly appreciate you listening to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't as yet. And please share with your friends or anybody you think would like it. And like I always say, we encourage you to follow your heart, but also us on Instagram. The handle is MyThickAccent. You can also leave us a review or write to us at hello at MyThickAccent.com. So stay tuned and let's continue knowing each other beneath the accent.